Crosstalk, the unintentional transfer of signals between communication channels, a casual conversation. Hello world, this is Video Game Crosstalk, episode 015, the monthly podcast of gamers talking about tech, science, and whatever else comes to mind. I'm your host, Anthony Rossi, and with me this week is Judge Greg from the Hero Talk Podcast. Judge Greg, what's going on? Hey there, thanks for having me, and hey there, Video Game Crosstalk audience. I'm talking to you. Yes, specifically you. That guy, right there. How you doing? Right there. You. All right. You. Wave. Yeah. Wave. Thank you. Yes, we see you. Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, uh, oh, apparently one of my audio assistants decided to join the party early. Uh, Our dog, Kinsey, just came into the office. Hey, buddy. Hey, hey, bud. How's how's it going? Huh? Who's your little boy? Who's your little boy? Oh, yeah. She loves to. There we go. All right. Thank you for joining us. Um, Anyway, like I was about to say, uh... So, Hero Teller, let's just get right into this. <laughs> yeah, well, we started out right. This is I per, I would not have appreciated anything else but how we've just started just now. But, yeah, I, awesome, awesome. Um, so, I guess we'll start off with uh, Hero Talk. Hero your Talk. Own podcast. All right, yeah. So, normally I bring in gamers, and you are a gamer, uh, but your podcast is more directly focused on comics and such. Yes. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it, it, it loosely. We've we've gone off the rails a little bit here and there, but primarily, it's a podcast that's uh, centered on uh, comic books and specifically the movies that have kind of spun off from comic books. Now, we we have we have some latitude. Like, I will do movies that not are not necessarily comic book related, but as long as there's like some central hero to it, then. You know, I've, right. been, I've done podcasts on those. And then I did Mean Girls, which really just broke the mold completely. <laughs> um, once I did Mean Girls, I basically just said, listen, uh, everything's on the table now. Because when you do Mean Girls on your Hero Talk podcast, everything can be a Hero Talk podcast. So hey, Yeah, there's nowhere uh, else yeah. to go but up at that point. Yeah. Uh, now, Mean Girls is a, is a funny, <laughs> funny movie. I don't want, I don't want to put it, put it down. But it's, uh, it's definitely, it definitely shattered the mold. And after that, it just it just said I can do whatever I want. And then TV shows, obviously, because this is we're almost in the golden age right now of uh, the comic book TV shows. Cause oh, absolutely! I feel like there's a new one being announced every other week. I, I don't know how I'm supposed to keep up. Yeah, give or take. Um, I mean, how many of them are on the CW at this point? Is it Arrow and Flash? So it's Arrow, Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, uh, Supergirl moved to the CW, and okay. uh, Black Lightning is going to be starting. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so we got a whole collection right there. And uh, personally, I just finished off all of the Marvel Netflix shows. Oh, I I am so far behind on those. I've uh, oh. I haven't watched Luke Cage yet, and so I need still need to do Luke Cage and Iron Fist, and I got to get that done before Defenders comes out. Uh, yeah, that's basically the reason why I did it. Um, my personal take on it: uh, Luke Cage is a close second to Daredevil. Um, mm-hmm. the general consensus is that Iron Fist is a solid fourth. 
as far as they're all <laughs> I've that's generally what I've heard. Yeah, I've no, I I have high hopes for Punisher because I think Punisher is was my big surprise out of Daredevil season two. I I now I thought John Bernthal would do a good job. I've seen him in Walking Dead, very very what? talented actor, but. I was I was kind of worried because I thought I don't necessarily know if the you know, the character is going to be portrayed correctly, and mm. then he he gives these monologues and it's like hitting me right in the feels and I'm, I'm right. watching I'm watching Daredevil saying I'm not crying you're crying, <laughs> yeah so I'm like yeah. at a huge disadvantage for the most part because I never read comics growing up Ooh. so I'm coming into all of this just fresh and new. See I don't I think you're at an advantage. Because okay. so here's what happens. I watch these shows and I have some 30 odd years of uh, just trying to figure out how long I started reading to when I am now. And so that's some 30 plus years. Uh, I have been reading comic books and I bring all that baggage with me. And so I have to try to disconnect myself. I have to watch things and they introduce a character and I have to turn off that part of my brain that a lot of fanboys can't. That says that's not right. That's not how it happened. That's not how yeah. it should be. That's not who that person is. I, I have to actively try to shut that down. Whereas you get to just sit back and relax and enjoy the show. So It is pretty nice. Yeah. <laughs> it is pretty nice. Um, anytime, like, I, reading the book before going to a movie, um, while it's great to have that background and so you can pick out other things, the movie's always going to change. And unfortunately, the sad reality is the movie is always worse. It does something weird. It does something stupid. It seems that they're getting better, though, as far as sticking truer to the source material um, than before, because it just seems like movies before, if they were based on a book or something, they would take the plot, take the setting, and take the character names from the source material, but then everything else in between becomes the writer's or the director's own vision and variation of it. Yeah, it's... It... It's it's really hard sometimes. You you have to shut off that part of your brain that really wants to try to point out what the difference is. I I have had similar instances. Uh, I I watched uh, the Hunger Games and I actually read the books ahead of time because I was okay. grossly misinformed about what those movies were actually about. Uh, ah. I heard the premise and I thought it's like a combination of Running Man and Battle Royale, and then I read the books and I think, is this all going to be about this girl who wants to know which one of these guys likes her? Oh, God. <laughs> so I was a little misinformed. Now, they're entertaining movies, but I, I definitely I was not anticipating the, the, the three way love triangle that predominated mm -hmm. most of of the trilogy. But uh, yeah. I find myself in the theater. I'm watching and I'm thinking, like, well, that didn't happen. That's not how that happened. I thought he was fatter than that. Who is this person? <laughs> That's not PETA. And so. You know, it's I, I like not having to do that. Now, it's sometimes I, I get lucky. There's a, a comic book movie comes out and I don't know anything about it. And that was me with Guardians of the Galaxy. And oh, man, fantastic. I was leaning back with my feet on the on the chair. And somebody says, does that happen in the comic books? And I get to say, I have no idea. <laughs> no clue. No I clue at all. Couldn't tell you. Oh, and that movie um, I was visiting with my wife's family in Wisconsin and we decided to uh, hit the movies during that break. And um, I swear, our nieces were just, like, looking at me. Uh, just, they were laughing at how much I was laughing during that movie. 
I so thoroughly enjoyed it, and I think like the part that I laughed the most or the hardest was when Groot uh, took out. I guess I call it that hallway of oh, soldiers. Yeah. yeah, the the left, right, left, right, left, right smile, right. and then the <laughs> the biggest smile that has ever been computer generated onto a a, a talking tree. It was just fantastic. Yeah, uh, I I I enjoyed Groot a lot more than I thought I would. And, and not to get too spoilery, but Dancing Baby Groot is the greatest thing that I've ever seen displayed <laughs> in cinema, ever. You can't help but just smile and feel happy with a Dancing Baby Groot. You, you can't. I, I, I have currently a Dancing Baby Groot on my desk. Uh, th- I do this as somebody who was not a huge fan of Guardians of the Galaxy as a, as a concept prior to going into that movie. And I walked mm-hmm. out and I said to myself, I must have Dancing Baby Groot on my desk. Oh yes, I mean, uh, I, some people say like, "Oh, they've got to, they've got to make," um, at the end of the first one, the dancing baby group in the little the potted plant okay. version of it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, if they don't mass produce those things, they are missing out on millions of dollars on auxiliary sales. Oh yeah, and they did, and I bought oh, yeah. one, and it, yeah, and it plays the song and it dances. It's it's really fun. It's fantastic. I, I also got a Christmas ornament of dancing baby group for for my Christmas tree, which also plays the song. <laughs> So you went full fanboy. I did. Good I for really you. did. I really did. My Christmas tree is like my is my canvas and I am the artist and I I collect and I place them on there and it's it is the it is my fandom personified every December. <laughs> um and I have to uh, dip back into one of the episodes of Hero Talk that I listened to and you're you will legitimately get mad at me for this one for not knowing the backstory. I am one of those people who watched Serenity before watching uh, Firefly. Wow, you're one of those people. I am one of those people. Wow. So how was that? It was great. Um, So I, again, I knew nothing about it. I was, uh, how do I put this? I am a born-again geek, I guess I'll put it that way. So I tried to hide my geekdom growing up Mm -hmm. because of too many wedgies and whatnot. Right. But, um... As soon as, well, as geek culture became more mainstream and more accepted, I started to, you know, get more into it, kind of revisit old um, cliche, uh, maybe not cliche, it's just revisit old fandoms, uh, stuff that should be like classic sci-fi uh, fan type stuff. And a few friends of mine had introduced me to Firefly. I'm like, uh, I don't know. I don't know anything about it. Not a huge, don't know if I really want to get into it. Um, then a friend of mine let me borrow his copy of Serenity, the movie. Mm-hmm. And I watched it, again, not knowing anything about it, but as a standalone movie, I'm like, cool. This was entertaining. It wasn't any piece of cinematic um, mastery, but I enjoyed it. The characters were enjoyable. Okay. Um, the humor was great. And, you know, mm-hmm. I laughed. And um, that's, that's so- about... So how is Firefly after that? I, I guess that's that's my I think my biggest question is having having seen where it ends. How how did you find Firefly? Did you enjoy it? I definitely enjoyed it. It was more of like an origin story, right? To me, so Serenity, like in my mind, the way everything was put together, Serenity is like the movie, and then Firefly was the origin stories. I gotcha. Yeah. So that's how everything pieced together. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I had heard it from other friends, and it was mentioned on your episode. They actually showed Firefly out of order. Yes, yes, they 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 did. I can't. And it was Fox, right? Fox is no. It, it was Fox. Yes. Then they 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 screwed Firefly. I just, I, I don't understand executives. And this isn't the first time that they've like screwed over a show. I just don't understand. Here is a set piece of story. Here's you know how we introduce the characters. Here's how we develop them. Here's how we bring all the storylines to a climax for the finale. Why do you start? in the middle chapter i know like it doesn't make I, the slightest lick of sense to me and i i really feel like i'm owed a personal explanation on that i i understand i'm not going to get it because i'm no. <laughs> <laughs> i'm the guy who runs the hero talk podcast and fox, right, fox right. but uh i just i don't who sat down and saw that and said no you know what this pilot is too confusing drop people in the middle that won't yes. be confusing at all and he mentioned it was the, the train heist episode. Yes. That's yes got to be the most uninformative episode, like, in the series. It, like I, I feel like they did it simply because there was less talking and more... More shooting. action? Yeah, they, maybe it was the more, one of the more action-y episodes. I mean, it, it's a phenomenal episode, don't get me wrong. Sure. Like, there are... There are great episodes, and if I if I had a person that was maybe going to only watch one episode of Firefly, and that was it, that was the only thing they were going to watch, that would probably be a very high contender for me in terms of, okay. you know, well, maybe this is the one you should watch. And, right. and But in terms of introducing the show for people who I would like to come back and watch it again, like, that's that's not going to do it. No, if you get, there's, there's no explanation of anyone's role or motivations. I mean, I get... The only explanations that you could really derive from that would be that they're they're for hire. They're I'm not sure if they become call them bounty hunters or just contract heist workers. They're, they they work for hire, and that's what their job was to be. Yeah. Other than that, I mean, they were freelancers, and I I admire their dedication to the free market. Believe me, I do. <laughs> but yeah, they just they took whatever work would come their way, and when when they say whatever, they mean yeah, whatever work comes our way, we will take it. And I mean, they had that little intro at the beginning where I think it was either Shep or Mal would would kind of give a really brief rundown of what happened, mm-hmm. and I guess that could help. Uh, but it, I mean, it really didn't. That's the thing is, it really didn't help because. If you don't get a good idea of what happened in the first episode, you just never... I can't see how people were supposed to jump on board, honestly. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, move on a little bit from that. Uh, so Hero Talk is actually part of a larger... It seems like a larger podcast network, yes? Yeah. So uh, we are presented exclusively by Enthusiacs.com. And so Enthusiacs, uh, it's a fun story for Enthusiacs. Uh, was it was a group of friends, and we all we all knew each other from uh, some f- different forums that we were all on. And at the time, uh, one of the admins of those forums had decided that he really wanted to get more content. I uh, didn't want to just be a forum of people talking about video games and movies and stuff, but he actually wanted to produce original content. And so okay. a lot of us got together and started actually making this content. Uh, I wasn't even the first host of uh, what is 
hero talk although none of those old episodes i they might be out there somewhere but i don't we don't have any of them on our on our channel okay uh, they were all they were they were sort of done in like a live stream on twitch but n nobody ever interacted so it really was it was kind of a moot point to do them that way so i was the first guy to come along and mm -hmm. say hey why don't we make this a podcast and and my so my even original version was I wasn't even going to be just doing hero talk. It was going to be a lot of people. Anyone could walk in and host a hero talk podcast on the channel. Oh, uh, but, all right. But I only one other person ever did. And uh, everyone, everyone else just kind of stepped out. And so after out of 20 episodes, one of them was somebody else and 19 were me. So finally, I just said, hey, <laughs> uh, I, I'm just going to claim it because all right. Fair I'm enough. doing all the work anyway, and so that one episode, we'll call it the lost episode, because it's in all of the different transfers from channel to channel and feed to feed. That one, uh, that one got got lost in the shuffle. So, uh, unfortunately, that the now the the classic non Judge Greg episode of Hero Talk is is just in the ether out there somewhere. But and it, to putting it all together, so the the site that we were all kind of contributing to just went under. It was. Uh, uh, the, apparently the costs were considerably high and it just it just wasn't really effective to keep the the site going and so the admin shut it down and those of us who were making content and then we, we're all hobbyists none of us are getting paid we're still not getting paid right. this is just you know just a hobby but we all thought you know we like making content but none of us really wanted to to i shouldn't say wanted to but none of us really had the the availability to really do daily content I mean, we all just kind of liked being a part of a team and putting stuff out there as a team, you know? So, yeah. uh, Which, by the way, creating daily content is a huge undertaking. It, it is. It, it I mean, really is. Just like just this monthly podcast that I do, I think I've mentioned it on here before, but like roughly one hour of raw audio takes about four hours of editing just to get out the, the ums and uhs and dead air and little blips and bleeps that happen mm -hmm. in the background. Yep. So, oh, and that's yeah. just, that's just one, so like the way my you know personal life is going right now, one podcast a month is plenty of work for me at this point running as a one man show. So the idea of producing daily content, that's a huge time commitment. Right. In any capacity. So, all right. So you were saying, um, <laughs> so, uh, anyway, so right, right about the time, everything was kind of going under and a lot of us were talking like, well, how do we, how do we keep going? Uh, uh, one of the people from the old site got everyone together and said, Hey, let's, let's keep rolling with this. So let's, you know, we, we, we maybe don't have to incur all these large costs that the previous site did. And so a guy who's been on my podcast more than once, Black Dragon, got everyone together and said, hey, let's let's just keep rolling. Let's keep doing it. Let's shoot some ideas off each other. Let's come okay. up with a platform and, and an infrastructure so that we can keep going and that we can keep doing our hobby, you know, which is producing videos or podcasts or whatever. And and from there, Enthusiax was born. Uh, so the Enthusiax was a was a great name. I did not love it at first. I was definitely I, I was definitely very put off by it. Uh, but then once I saw some of the graphics and logos that uh, one of our friends had, had drafted up for us, and I thought, well, yeah, okay. Now now that she's done that, I can see, I can start to envision it. But yeah, so that's how it came about. It's just, it was an infrastructure put in place so that our podcasters could keep podcasting, our video people could keep videoing, uh, the YouTube channel could keep rolling, and just so that everyone could keep doing their hobby uh, together. And and that's been going on for I think we uh, we just passed our three year point so 
been three well, years of content. Thank you very much. Three years of content from the enthusiasts. So that's that's the story of Hero Talk and and where we are and why and why people ask me like why is Hero Talk in with all these other podcasts on the Enthusiasts channel? I say because I'm a part of exclusively through the Enthusiasts podcasting channel mm -hmm. uh, with my sister podcasts uh, Point Streak and Behind the Line Radio. Okay, so what are those two about? So, uh, Point Streak is uh, it's a podcast about uh, games and the issues that concern gamers. So they kind of pick one overarching issue, and, and they will discuss it uh, in great detail. It's hosted by Baron Fang, who uh, does a lot of research ahead of time. So sometimes it's on microtransactions, sometimes it'll be on DLC, pre-ordering. Uh, he'll sometimes hit specific game franchises. So that mm -hmm. one's very video game based. And then okay. Behind the Line Radio, hosted uh, by Nick, uh, goes by Kinetic on our site, it was a good friend of mine. Actually, uh, I've known him for quite a long time, for some 15 years. Oh, And nice. he, uh, he has been in the games industry uh, for a considerable amount of time uh, for the last... Uh, yeah, I think we're looking at some 15... So how long have I known Nick? Because he's been in the industry for 15 years. That means I've known him for... Okay, 18 years. Holy cow. I've, <laughs> wow. I'm old. Anyway. <laughs> so, High five, my brother. High five. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> so, yeah, so he's been in the industry for 15 years. And so Behind the Line Radio is like, it, it's an insider's look at, at some of the, the local news. Or he'll maybe, the, he crosses a lot of ground with uh, with Point Streak. In fact, his co-host on Behind the Line Radio is Baron Fang from Point Streak. And, okay. So, and we cross over all the time because we're all in the same network. We talk nearly daily to each other. So oh, there's, cool. a, there's a lot of crossover and a lot of collaboration there. Uh, and, and so that's that's where we get a lot of talk about, you know, well, here's here's this news story. Here's the insider's take on it. And I think that's that's something very unique that you wouldn't expect a site, especially as small as ours mm -hmm. and as modest as ours, to be able to boast our own, you know, 15 year industry insider giving his personal take and his personal uh, a glimpse in behind behind the line, as it were, into the industry. So, so are they going to get uh, jealous of you uh, that you do the comic book podcast and you come over to the, the video game podcast? No, no. Where no. <laughs> Everyone's really supportive of when, when you know, I, I branch out and do some of these other podcasts. Uh, I also uh, very often co-host the Gamers Without Borders podcast. Oh, cool. Uh, so I've been a, a regular, uh, I've been a guest host on that so many times that they just consider me uh, a, a co-host now, which I appreciate. Okay. Oh, wow. Um, but okay. it's it's nice that since I do like the comic book, you know, the comic book movie, comic book TV show, uh, since I do that sort of podcast, it's kind of nice to sort of be able to go on somebody else's podcast because they have all this pent up video game talk that I don't mm. get to, to put out just on my own. So there you go. That, that's kind of nice to be able to go out and do that. Nice. Yeah, you are quite active uh, in the community. <laughs> I see your name popping up on my feed like all the time. Like, oh, there's Judge Greg's at it again. Okay. Yeah, it's you know, and I, I don't I don't go out there specifically to you know try to try to just get my name out there. It just tends to happen um, because it's my my usual enthusiasm for what I do and for the other podcasters out there that tends to shine through, and that's why I get my name out there. I, I promise I'm not just following John Layola around and just doing whatever he does <laughs> and trying to get my name out there. He, he is such a great kid, though. Uh, he... He, he absolutely. I mean, this is he has so much raw talent for this. It's, it sickens me how much I have to work to try to be almost as good as him. Yeah, and I refer to him as a kid because I'm a grizzled old man in my 30s. 
Yes. Basically. Um, <laughs> yeah, he was on Video Game Crosstalk uh, a few months ago. Yes, yes um, he was. Yeah, he'd, mm-hmm. yeah had a great conversation with him. Oh, yeah. <sighs> right, so that's quite the story. You got quite the uh, quite the support system going on at Enthusiax. Yes, yes. Uh, love our community, love our people, love all of our contributors. We we have been very, very fortunate to have uh, just such a great support system, great people. I mean, like, like I said, I talk to the enthusiasts nearly every day and and we're all I mean, just to, to have people that are good friends like that and people that don't don't grate you to have to talk to all the time and, you know, and love contributing. And again, we're, this is a hobby. We, we don't make any money. We don't give out any money. We can't really afford to pay. This is just a. Hey, if you if you want to write, we can give you a platform to write on, and we've just had such great relations with everyone, so it's been a wonderful experience. Yeah, um, for the most part, uh, a, a lot of podcasts out there are in fact hobbyists. Uh, they may have established themselves quite a following or an established a community and some cooperation between some other podcasts or YouTube channels and stuff like that. But for the most part, we're all hobbyists Mm -hmm. and uh, any support, any interaction whatsoever is just, it makes you smile. It makes you happy just to have a platform and a, uh, a network where you can share your enthusiasm and, and, uh, gaming habits or whatever other like interests and passions with other people sometimes around the world even uh so to the people listening out there we're all hobbyists we're having a great time uh interact with us we're friendly say hi yeah absolutely i i pride myself on on always being sort of available on social media Anytime anybody wants to, you know, give a shout out or ask a question, I'm I love to interact with people. I've had, and I I I love it when somebody who I haven't ta- ever talked to before just comes on and says, "Hey, about that Batman v Superman episode." Mm-hmm. I I mean I I love that. I say that one because that's the, I, that episode blew up in a way I couldn't even imagine, and uh, almost none of that carried over into long term subscribers. So I'm sorry, whoever listened to it. Apparently, I offended you. <laughs> But I had a lot of people, uh, my DMs were lighting up with people who wanted to talk to me about that episode. Oh, and cool. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Yeah, like, Hooray, people are listening. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I got out of that. Like, even the people were all like, I think you were way off base. I'm like, you listened? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to me for two hours. I can't believe you did that. I really can't. I'm so sorry. My apologies, but thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, we're going to move into some tech news at this point, and I got a few uh, a few articles here on my show notes. Uh, the first one I'm going to skip a little bit down the list, just because it's, it's more self-promotion for my hometown. Uh, we had a self-driving car visit us in little old Albany, New York. As I like to say, New York's other capital city behind <laughs> New York City. Yeah, I... Uh... I, I used to live near Albany, New York, for a while, and yeah, absolutely, that is correct. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. It's just funny to me at this point that you think the capital of New York, or like the, a major city in the state of New York, and really like no other city, very few cities in the world even can really hold a candle to New York, but it's like, hey, upstate matters too, please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, so, really. Yeah. Yeah, not too much happened in this article. I just kind of wanted to bring it out that um, rather than, well, what's interesting about this to me is rather than Tesla showing their driverless cars or one of the other uh, companies that have been like really pushing into this, Audi was the car company that brought their driverless car around which i haven't really heard too much about audi in particular yeah that that kind of surprised me that i mean again tesla i i thought was all on this and i would assume like google would have just surprised everyone and said by the way we we manufactured a car but just because we're google and we do stuff like that yeah because we're we're google and that's we were bored on a sunday but (laughs) i was i was really surprised that you know because it it took me it took me off guard because i just didn't i didn't think they were even trying to make one honestly yeah but i guess i from other articles that i've read it seems like everyone within the next few years it seems like everyone is going to be dipping into it a little bit and there's a little video embedded into the story um now this is a subscriber story so you get very little of of the story Mm -hmm. but you get just enough just to to see what's going on and between this and oh i it escapes me, but I had read another article. It might have been NPR. But um, a lot of these driverless cars, they're more or less the culmination of every driving assist system all packaged into the same vehicle and operating together. So, for instance, um, they discuss or they mention you know, the... Uh, the impact warning so they have cameras or sensors and they can sense what if you're if you're drifting off the lane or you're getting too close to another car or um i've even heard uh anti-lock brakes is a driving assist Mm -hmm. feature so it's a lot of these cameras and sensors that are already embedded into the vehicle but they added a little bit more technology and they're all talking to each other and working together so uh, did you get anything else out of this uh, Other than just the the horrifying reality that I would never in a million years trust a self-driving car in, in all places of, in Albany, New York. I've driven in Albany, New York, <laughs> and I, I, I would never, never let a car. I mean, the, the, my issue with it is that the car can only predict how people would normally. Like, it's not going to predict the person coming at you in the wrong lane at 40 miles an hour. And right. so I wonder, I wonder what the car does about that. Like, and maybe that's why they went to Albany. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure they had. I'm looking at the pictures. Of course, it was a big press event, so they had the the street cleared out fairly well. Yeah. But um, you, oh, if I can find, there's another article. Oh, I listen to too much news radio, and I read too many things online, and I can't remember where I read what or where I heard what. But there, it might have been part of the Hidden Brain podcast. Talking about the driverless cars and exactly what you just mentioned, these cars right now are programmed to predict and deal with decision-make, whatever term you want to use, normal driving conditions moving along in standard traffic. They're not programmed for the car coming the wrong way down the highway or the people who don't bother to look both ways before crossing the street or the person who enjoys to, you know, just cutting people off because they want to get two cars ahead of you, even though you're driving down main street with a light, a traffic light every two blocks. Yep. Yeah. All, all real things in Albany, New York. 
Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely all things else. But like in any major city, really, yeah. um, it's yeah. just it's just human nature. Mm-hmm. And um, it, I, I mean, it's scary to think about, right? Like, I mean, imagine one of these things in not to bring it back to New York City and and besmirch the good name of Albany once again. But <laughs> I mean, in New York, I've driven in New York City. And that is horrifying. In, in New York City, you basically have to just you have to just to to quote Elsa, let it go. Yes, you, you do. <laughs> you have to you have to let let it go and just let go of this notion that I'm never going to get into a car accident. And you have to just get, prepare yourself for I am willing to get into a car accident at a moment's notice so that I can get into the lane I want to be in. And once once you get there then you're driving like a New Yorker. Yes, yes, you are. Uh, we went down to New York City for, like, one family outing. I don't remember why we were going down there, but I was still in, like, single digits for age. And our family rode in a taxi, and that permanently scarred me. Um, I could not believe how close we got to other vehicles. Mm-hmm. I couldn't believe the wedge that the cabbie had to drive between other cars to make whatever turn they were going for. Um, I mean, I know people who do drive in New York city. Uh, it's, you gotta go. I, I'm no, I don't want to say close your eyes and hit the gas, but it's, it's close to that. You just got to take yeah. over that lane. Like you own it and just trust that everyone else obeys the same unwritten rules of those roads and right. uh if you see someone three quarters into your lane already then you just tap the brake <laughs> just mm-hmm. enough for them to to squeeze through yeah or just give them a love tap just or, you know just let them know you're there <laughs> so sometimes you got you got to do the internal calculus in your head and you think like okay so that car's this much nicer than my car mm-hmm. So that right. driver must care this much more about his car than mine. So if I pull out in front of him, he's this likely to not want to hit me and not want to mess up his nice car against my bad car. But how old is his car? Is he looking for the insurance money and an upgrade? So that's that's driving in a, in a, in a big city. That was that was New York City to me. And I, I have not driven extensively on Manhattan, but uh, I have driven in Manhattan. And that's that's the sort of thought process I put in when I was doing it. Oh man, yep. It's like, oh wait, that guy's driving a Hyundai. I'll cut in front of him. Yeah, <laughs> and it's and it suddenly makes the the subway look inviting at times. And, and which... let me tell you, that subway is generally not inviting. <laughs> oh, quick, quick personal story. Um, when my wife and I got married a few years back, we had family from all over the country uh, coming in. Mm-hmm. And I have a few cousins in Arizona uh, that came up. And, of course, if you're traveling the diagonal of the continental U.S., if you're coming that far, uh, you're going to stop by New York City if you're coming that that yeah. distance. Yeah, So obviously. they go to New York City. They do the tourist thing. I uh, finally meet up with them once they get into upstate. And I ask them, like, oh, how'd you like the city? You know, it's really big, right? It's kind of overwhelming. And uh, my one cousin said, what I couldn't believe was the smell. And that is something, <laughs> and I don't know how you can be prepared or how that could be described to you, because, and the wedding was in August, Ooh. so August heat and humidity down in the New York City subway system is a yeah. very special special time of year. Oh man, that is <laughs> that is a a pungent aroma. 
I've I do not use the subway system in New York in in August. I will either get a cab or I will walk, and I don't care if I have to mm. walk the length of the island. I will not use the subway right. system because it is it is like 120 degrees down there, and a lot of people have presumed that bathing and and soaps in in general are optional. And right. we're we're very progressive up here. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's I mean it is. Uh, it, it it can be um, it can be offensive to maybe somebody who's not more accustomed to that that culture. Yeah, you're you're so delicate. I'm, I'm very delicately trying not to insult the entire city of New York. City of New York. Um, oh. But however, yeah, yeah, it is it is not a pleasant experience. I mean, just even you even if you were alone it would be an unpleasant experience because you're in these tunnels of just stale, dank, hot air. That never escapes. That never escapes. And and you're just wait. I, I, I have memories of just waiting for the train to show up and hoping I get a train that has the AC working because I just feel like I'm, I'm sucking in air that's been used eight or nine hundred times before I've gotten to it. <laughs> okay. We're going to move on for now. As much as I love uh, ripping on uh, New York City, um, yep. we're move on to the next <laughs> one. So um, I've got two, actually, uh, articles here regarding Netflix. Yeah, go uh, Netflix. Yeah, go absolutely. So the first one, Netflix is now bigger than cable. You know, I mean, this was bound to happen. Yes. It, it really was. I mean, if, if you've been watching the trends, this was going to happen. Right, and they mentioned that in here. Things to keep in mind... Hold on a second. There we go. Sorry, and a video started auto-playing on my, on my screen. So, they make note of this little bit. It's not that people are watching only Netflix. They do acknowledge that uh, there are many people... Uh, do they mention? They don't quite mention it. But there are yeah. people who obviously are paying for cable, television, and Netflix. Right. So there's plenty of overlap. Yeah, I, I count myself but among the them. Fact that, but the fact that they're... Netflix has become this popular. And I've mentioned this on this podcast many a time. They really are killing it with their original programming. Their original programs are absolutely fantastic. I was just watching Orange is the New Black last night. Oh, it's fantastic. I haven't watched the it is, it season. Is, it is horrifying, but also fantastic, which is, uh, yeah, which I is unique. I love the tropes, how they handle all the tropes yes. in, in that show. Um, we're going to make everyone as cliche as possible, but like everyone's getting bloody. So mm -hmm. you can't, <laughs> can't call us out for like singling out a particular person. Yes. Um, so, um, my wife has been watching that. I'll catch an episode here or there mm -hmm. of it. I've enjoyed all the episodes that I've watched. Um, same thing with house of cards. We had just mentioned the Marvel series oh, yeah. um, yep. earlier in this show, um, and even though I say that Iron Fist is a solid fourth amongst the Marvel shows, it's not a bad show. Um, well, I think yeah, it's got a little bit more... Just that it's yeah. not as good as the others. Exactly. That's basically what it is. It's not bad, it's just not as good. Because, let's face it, Jessica Jones and Daredevil were pretty awesome. Yes. Yes, they were. I concur with That's your assessment of those shows. Yeah, <laughs> they, they set the bar pretty high. Yeah. So... So you got all that, and um, actually, myself, we are cable cutters over here. No kidding. Um, so so we, you did it, huh? 
Yeah, we definitely did it. Um, it helps that we do get plenty of channels uh, just with a antenna. Okay. But yep. it got to it got to the point for us where we're paying for the digital cable we were getting mm -hmm. um, with Time Warner, which is now Spectrum, uh, whatever. Yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> we're getting hundreds of channels that we never watch. Mm -hmm. And personally, I spend a lot of my time just gaming because. I think that video games have matured to the point where they have better story writing than three quarters, at least, of the TV shows. Right. Preaching to the choir right. here. I hear you. Right. And I'm willing to bet that most people listening to this podcast would be preaching to the choir as yeah. well. So, yeah, we no longer pay for cable TV, and wow. I do not miss it at all. No kidding. So, so were you a big sports watcher? Not really. Okay. And that probably has a lot to do with it. Because that that is what has kept me on cable right now. I I mm -hmm. I don't care about other than that I like watching the CW shows as they come out live just because mm -hmm. but I mean you don't have to do that because they're all in the CW app. So if you're if you're Johnny on the spot with making sure you see them while they're still in the free window, you can still do that. But right. okay. I uh I've I have found that sports has been the one thing where I can't I can't cut the cable because I any of those online, like the uh, the MLB TV and the NHL TV and and the 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 NFL, well, the NFL ones are kind of they're their own monster. But I, yeah, I'm in yeah, I'm in the broadcast network for the the teams that I follow, so I can't get any of the online subscriptions. I'm in the blackout. They, you know, they only mm. they only really oh, give you out of service or out of out of region, out of network, and so it's so ridiculous. Yeah. So the only way I get to watch these shows is is by having having cable and so you know i if i if i cut cable that means i lose red Sox, i lose the celtics i lose the bruins and if i'm not getting the right channel on my antenna i'm losing the patriots too so Jeez. that's that's very difficult for me that, that's a very big part of my life are watching those teams and that's it's a mm -hmm. huge sacrifice to the point where i'm willing to spend some you know a couple hundred dollars a month just to be able to keep that access Ooh. That's why cable companies really should be bowing down to the demands of like ESPN and other mm -hmm. sports carriers because without them, I can guarantee you they'll be losing more people. If um, I could get my sports shows on, and and it's getting better. PlayStation uh, View actually is looking. They keep adding sports networks, and if they get the right combination, I will jump to them in a heartbeat. Um. Because they they so far are looking like they're the best curation of, of all of those of all of those uh, channels that I need, um, but right. the the second I can get those shows and not have to be on cable, I will I will cut the cord myself. I will literally take right. some cutters out <laughs> and cut the cord and say we're done. You're done. I won't actually do that because that's how the internet comes in, but. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, slow that down. Just pump the brakes real yeah. quick. Yeah, uh, but, all comes but yeah, the I, that's 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 the only thing that's keeping me on on cable is the sports. And as soon as I can figure out how to get the sports without it, I'm I'm out. Yeah, and I'm willing to bet you're in the same boat with a lot of people. Okay. I mean, right now I'm paying roughly fifty dollars a month for high speed internet, mm -hmm. and I, it's great. Yeah, I mean um, that's I, I would I would love to be down to that. You know. And plus your Netflix and your Amazon Primes or whatever you you subscribe well, to. Yes, right. So, so yeah, Netflix has 
And just to run off some some numbers here, so right now cable has been on a fairly steady decline, mm -hmm. and uh, Q1 of 2017 they're at 48.61 million subscribers, and these are for the major uh, cable companies. So it's going to be your Time Warner, Comcast, stuff like that. Yeah, uh, they do disclaim uh, in this article that they do not count, and I'll quote: "The numbers don't count minor cable networks, which could in themselves amount to five percent of the total cable customers." So, while they're not getting the smaller networks, it's it's five percent. So it's yeah. not exactly a huge huge change. Right, and I'm I'm and, in one of those smaller networks too. So I I, I, right. I at least appreciate that I got lip service. There you go. <laughs> yeah, so, but as the cable has been uh, on a steady decline, Netflix has been on a steady incline, and it is at least twice the rate of the incline as opposed to the decline. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, I'm very surprised that Netflix has been able to keep that, that incline going, especially given that they're not the only, they're not the only show in town anymore. When they were, when they were alone in this online mm -hmm. streaming game, I, it totally made sense to me. And, you know, after they had kicked Blockbuster to the curb, moment of silence, oh, that's man. plenty. Okay. But oh, yeah. <laughs> after <laughs> Blockbuster was gone uh, and, and Blockbuster.com was no longer a thing. Uh, wow. You're, you know I had Blockbuster.com? I, ha I had the Blockbuster.com subscription. It was the, the same as the Netflix. Oh, wow. Except mm -hmm. you could take your discs to the, to the, the brick-and-mortar store. Brick-and-mortar stores. And, yeah, and you could exchange it for a free rental. And I actually watched a lot of movies that way in back in my single days. Because mm -hmm. I would watch my, Netf or my, my Blockbuster movie, and then I would go to the store <laughs> and get my rental. Then I'd watch my rental. And right. as soon as you return it to the store, it cues them to send the next one on your list. So you, nice. usually the next day, the DVD would show up. And so I was burning through a good 30 or so movies a month oh wow honestly yeah i was that was what i was doing and i because yeah. i had two discs so i always had something okay. going and i would be watching sometimes two a night again these were in my single days when i you know would get home <laughs> get home from work go to the gym come back home make myself dinner it's now six thirty, and i got nothing to do with the rest of my night so i was burning flicks uh right hey yeah. Game on, brother. Yeah, and then it was and it was honestly the reason why I switched over was because Netflix had the online streaming and Blockbuster the brick and mortar stores were going away and I and they started to limit the number of in-store returns and exchanges. And so once that became limited, well like, well there that went that's how I used to do things. So when when my when my previous pattern of watching became a very expensive plan instead of the the base plan and then netflix just had all these movies that i could just keep watching every single day and i had i, I had an xbox and the 360 was one of their uh, initial supported devices mm -hmm. i mean well there you go now i have i can just watch these movies and so that's what i would do yeah uh, they they were ahead of the curve they yeah. they knew they knew what was coming and Blockbuster, just like every other company that gets drowned out by the up-and-comer, you know, like, oh, well, we've got so much clout in the market, we don't need to adapt to this. I mean, that's a story that's been repeated mm -hmm. so many times in so many industries, in so many instances. Yeah. It's... Uh, but it's impressive. Like, so after Amazon Prime became a thing, after Hulu became a thing, after... Uh, what else is out there? Uh, Sling is a thing. PlayStation oh, yeah, Sling out TV. There. Mm -hmm. With all of that, Netflix is still 
climbing and i mean it's got to be their program yeah it's got to be there there's no small part and due to the to the original pro i i won't leave netflix i have amazon prime and i won't leave netflix Mm -hmm. because i say i watch all those netflix shows those are my shows (laughs) they're so good we uh all right so we could go on with that for a while but um and here's another act, this perfect transition. As far as Netflix staying ahead of the curve, the next article I have regarding Netflix is they're introducing interactive shows. All right, so as a gamer, you have to be excited for this, right? Oh, yeah. Well, yes and no. Oh, okay. The, the yes is because this is amazing. I want to see how it works. I want to see how it how it operates, like how easy it is to use. I want to see how much variation they put in these in these shows the reason why i'm not excited is because it's a puss in boots trapped in an epic tale and buddy thunderstruck so these are kid shows i but (laughs) i mean as as a parent yourself you 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 might be on the early stages uh because i I don't know how much how much tv you're you're letting your child watch the experts say none before they do right let's just say i did not listen to the experts (laughs) but uh i i now have have an older daughter who's three and so you know, TV shows and especially kids TV shows are a big thing, and she is constantly interacting with them. And and she mm. has a lot of uh, she has a lot of apps that she can play on a tablet where you know she's encouraged to interact and things like which way are we supposed to go? And then she gets to choose the way. And you know what mouse tool is my supposed to use? Not to give away the show, mm-hmm. but you know it's <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a um, lot of these interactions, and she loves it. And so I look at this and I think well. All right, so maybe these shows I'm not very excited about, but once this technology is out there, and especially that Netflix already has all of these deals with Disney as it is. Oh yeah. I just my I'm just looking forward to okay, so what's now what's Disney going to do with this technology because that I'm excited for. Mhm. And uh they actually mentioned in the article that kids think everything is interactive. I mean, really <laughs> every every tablet, every phone is interactive mm-hmm. in some way. Like so many electronics things are interactive. The idea of just sitting there and watching something passively is is actually more foreign than something that is interactive. So it is a very hard like, concept for my daughter that she can't swipe things on the TV. <laughs> it really is because everything is interactive. Every screen she interacts with, she can touch and move things and grab things and swipe and scroll. And the idea that the TV is the one thing that's passive and you just sit and watch is a very difficult concept for her. Oh, wow. Oh, so, but here, and here's why, like, I bring this into gaming. Um, this model has been repeated over and over again with huge success. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to have a listen for I don't have it right now, but there are plenty of games out there. So if, if you're a non-gamer and you're listening to this podcast just for, or um, primarily for some of the science and tech type stuff, here's a bunch of games that you can go just check out uh, a trailer for on YouTube or possibly go you know just check it out in general. In particular, right now, for the PlayStation Plus free games, there is Life is Strange. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also pretty much every Telltale game that's come out in the past few years. So uh, Game of Thrones, they've done one for. The Walking Dead, they've done one for. Also, Tales from the Borderlands and A Wolf Among Us. They've done a Batman series. And there's a few others. But all of these games are episodic. So an episode will come out. 
you'll watch kind of the video. There is limited interaction in them. It's more decision making, but all of these actions will impact the story and impact future episodes. So they have a few flowcharts in this article. I'm looking at the one for Buddy Thunderstruck right now. And I'm going to... It's impressive when you take into consideration that this is like the first of its kind for, for Netflix, the first of its kind for like a video streaming service, and it's for kids. So it shows a total of seven tiers of decision making, and one through five have absolutely zero effect on the final outcome of the show. It's basically you start, you, it looks like you decide what snack to eat, and it looks like either some hot hot chocolate probably and or a slice of pizza uh that's what it's looking like on my screen right now and it's like all right so you make a decision of which snack to have and then it moves on to the next plot point and it's a vertical line and towards the end you actually get to make a decision of something that actually affects the outcome but this is the first iteration of it you know what i mean i mean it's it, it, it's most of it is always the perception of choice rather than anything else. I mean, Telltale, well, Telltale has built their kingdom upon the perception of choice. You know, I, how many times in games? Spoiler alert for every Telltale game ever. But if you're given the <laughs> choice about saving one character or saving the other character, whoever you save is just going to die some other way, so that they can end everybody at the same note. Right. You, you, you'll have different context within that episode or within that season. But to bring the storyline back into something that they can manage, uh, same thing to Bioware. Yes. Uh, specifically with <clears throat> the first Mass Effect trilogy. Uh, yeah. All right. We're not talking about those. All right. Moving on. Yeah, we're not talking about that right now. <laughs> but um, uh, I mean, ultimately, it comes... It, Everything comes back because trying to, well, I mean, from a writing standpoint, trying to accommodate for every possible outcome is literally impossible. Right. But still pretty cool. And you can replay these episodes. Uh, does it? It's got to mention somewhere here in how long they are. Oh, I don't, re- I don't well, recall it saying how long. I mean, I, I imagine that if they built these to, these up, they got to be your standard oh. 20 minutes, right? Because that's. Here we are. Here we are. We got Puss in Book is about 18 minutes. Okay. The longest is 39 minutes. Buddy Thundershark runtime can be as short as 12 minutes. And as long as until your TV stops working, because apparently in one of the loops, one of the narratives, there's an infinity loop if you don't choose a decision to break the loop. But so 20-ish minutes. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're dealing minutes. with a kid's attention span here, so you can't you can't really go happy-go-jacky on that, you know? Right. So... But um, as far as this is concerned, it seems like a, a logical progression as far as entertainment is concerned. Oh, yeah. I'm, I I really look forward to seeing what happens when some other companies get a hold of this. You know, this, the, I, the way I see it is, you know, this Buddy Thunderstruck and Puss in Boots, these are, these are your proof of concept. Yes. Once these are established, I think we can see Warner Brothers and Disney and some of the other uh, major players coming out with something that's going to be uh, much more palatable for uh, mm-hmm. the child and the adults. And then, you know, even maybe branching into some shows specifically designed for the adults. To, I mean, they've had these things oh, for a while. Are. I remember some theaters even have some where, you know, the, the, sh- the movie plays and you get to make a decision. Oh, who who should I go with? Who lives and who dies? I mean, it's 
it it's not really mm. hard to see this especially brought forward uh i would love to see it in a murder mystery honestly that's where i oh yeah, i envision yeah. this oh maybe. that'd be cool yeah and one more final note on this um as i'm looking at the one of the main images in this article uh it is puss in boots or puss in book uh this mm. is also co-produced with dreamworks entertainment so, so is it got... is it the Shrek Puss in Boots? I guess is that going to be yes. Okay. Yep. And want... Puss in Boots actually had his own movie. That's right, he did. But I mean, Antonio Banderas. I I I know the guy's looking for work, but he's not going to be the Puss in Boots on this, right? Mm, I will check IMDb <laughs> and see if we've got anything going on there. Hey, you know what? It if it gets some money, it it can't be too much voice acting work I mean, a lot man this is why people like voice acting work though is because you basically you work a couple of hours a couple of days a week and mm-hmm. you know he makes make a decent paycheck doing that right and he's already paid his dues in oh, acting yeah. he has nothing left to prove to anybody at this point right he's like i'm antonio yeah. banderas i'm i'm making residuals on my residuals i don't <laughs> if i want to just voice this this cat and that's what I'm, I'm going, going to do to. for the rest yeah. of my career. I will be yeah. this cat. Deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Time for an audible interlude before we go any further. For you, the listeners of the Video Game Crosstalk podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. All you have to do is go to audibletrial.com slash vgxtpod and sign up for your free trial and download one of over 180,000 titles, such as Astrophysics for People in a Hurry, written and narrated by Neil deGrasse Tyson himself. Now, I've actually had the opportunity to go see Neil deGrasse Tyson speak twice Mm. here in New York. Um, The first time was a physicist goes to the movies where he uh, basically just talked for a few hours with a giant slideshow behind him about uh, like 30 years worth of movies where Hollywood got the science right or wrong. And he just like joked about it for a while. Uh, oddly enough, he, he liked to point out that beer commercials are notorious for getting all the science and the physics in their commercials correct. Interesting. More so, yeah, more so than some other uh, endeavors. But oh, there's a few that were really funny. He joked about his date when they went to go see one of the Superman movies where he uh, flies around the world really fast to spin the Earth in reverse. Yep. And uh, uh, Superman, uh, the first one, uh, okay. just Superman. Yeah. And his date, like, looked at him and was like, is that possible? If you're able to move that fast, will the earth spin backwards and would time go in reverse? And he looked at her and says, that's what you're questioning in this? <laughs> yeah. I'm okay uh, with the, the guy from Krypton who could fly, but, but, but this is moving this time reversal thing? Is this, is this plausible? <laughs> Uh, so there was that. There's a few others. And also, most recently, um, he had another tour going around where he's just talking about the, the state of science uh, in the U.S. and around the world and the, the importance of science and why we need to uh, get back into adhering to the, uh, the scientific process and the importance of the peer review process, basically. Mm-hmm. So I've gushed over Neil deGrasse Tyson enough. So... Uh, once again, that is audibletrial.com slash VGXT for your free audiobook. 
Okay, moving on into some gaming and geekery. Now, obviously, there was a huge event that happened earlier this month. But first, really quick, uh, I just saw this article today. So I apologize for like the last minute insert into this podcast. But uh, big news. Big news for us old people. Sega is launching this new service. What are they calling it? Sega launches free retro game collection for iPhone and Android. Uh, where is it? I completely botched this introduction to the article. <laughs> Sega forever. <laughs> Sega forever. There it is. So yeah. here's what's going on. They got a pretty cool uh, video. Um, is this a YouTube? Yeah, it looks like YouTube. Uh, video for launching this thing. Um, it's so 90s. So so weird science 90s. It's fantastic. And essentially what they're doing is they are releasing old Sega Genesis games for free on mobile devices. What are your thoughts on this? Now, I mean, obviously any time that I can get some free 90s video games on a mobile device, I'm for it. Uh, I, ha- I have cer- certain questions about, you know, how am I going to control, how is it going to work uh, on on my 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 phone or my tablet trying to play Sonic the Hedgehog that's that's a lot of yeah. twitch gaming right there that yeah. needs some precision controls okay. um especially uh, the, one, the one thing i saw in a game that was an old favorite uh, of mine on their list was Kid Chameleon and that's a hard game that is a hard mm-hmm. game when you have a genesis controller in your hand i do not know how i'm supposed to have a phone in my hand and try to somehow get past that i mean that was a hard and long game phrasing but <laughs> I, I, that, that's that's gonna be difficult you know <laughs> yeah um they do say somewhere in the article that they are supporting uh here it is bluetooth tr- uh, blah, blah, bluetooth controller support so I, and i and i get that and and i i, I saw that however and in terms of me, I'm not going to get a Bluetooth controller just to play these just games. Just to play these games. You know, I, I see this as if I really wanted to just play all these games on a controller, because as soon as you put, bring in that controller, it, you're no longer looking at the portable aspect of it. Now I need a base that I can play it on. And in that sense, they've had this retro console out for a long time. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they beat the classic Nintendo to the punch, but everyone was pretending like they just discovered it last year. But it's been out for a couple of years now where you have, like, all these classic games. All of the ones that were listed on their service were on that classic console. And the thing still plays cartridges, which Nintendos did not. So Uh, up your game, Nintendo, is what I'm saying. Um, (laughs) But if I wanted to play the games and I I didn't want to have to worry about the portability, that's what I would get. And so what I look at is, okay, I want to be able to pull this thing out of my pocket and play a game on it, and I don't know how that's going to work out. But I will find out because it's a free service, and I'm going to do right. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to be tough, though. I have downloaded um, a few of my old favorite Square Enix games to my uh, to my phone. Um, excuse me, not Square Squaresoft. Back mm. in the day when they were still referred to as Squaresoft, oh, back yeah, in the 90s. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Again, the, the original Final Fantasies and uh, most recently Chrono Trigger. I was able to download. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I subscribe to uh, Google Services. What are they called? They're Google Opinion Surveys, basically. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you you fill out opinion surveys every once in a while based on where you travel, and they throw you like 25 cents, 14 cents, whatever. Eventually, it, it builds up to the point where I can afford one of these games for free, and, you know, I relive some nostalgia. Mm-hmm. 
Now, Square has been able to figure out a system that works. So all these Final Fantasy games, there's a lot of open world exploration. So the way they've handled that is you put your finger anywhere on the screen and then move it in any direction. And that's the direction that your character runs in. Right. So it works for the mobility and for like selecting which monster to attack. You can actually like tap that monster itself. Okay. That'll act as the selection. So they've made it work. The problem is, all of those actions are on the your viewable screen, and your physical hand takes up room in your field of vision. Right. Right. So trying to manipulate that, I find myself like holding my phone with one hand, and I'm like pantomiming this right now, even though we can't see each other. Yeah, no, I, I can <laughs> hold. Yeah, got it. Your hands, one hand. Is it, got it. Yeah. And I got my other hand, and I'm like poking at the screen, and my like bare paw, a ham fist is just like blocking my view in its entirety. So I'm just gonna like like I think that's the guy I want to attack. I'll see if my sausage finger actually touches that monster. All right, yes, that is the one I want to attack. Yeah. I mean, so, I would hate to fat finger the wrong monster, you know. Uh, Why phrasing. am I going after the boss? I got to get rid of the pawns first. Absolutely, that's just basic strategy. Right. <laughs> Take yeah. care of the pawns first. But um, so I mean, it works, but it's not the greatest. And like you said, uh, Sonic, that is, there's no way you can do play Sonic using that method. Yeah. It is way too quick. Mm-hmm. Um, Uses blast processing. That it uses <laughs> processing. <laughs> oh, old school console wars. Um, Altered Beast would be. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of button mashing. It is. I mean, that was a that was a beat 'em up. You had to keep hitting the. I. What am I supposed to keep smacking the screen at one spot to hit the attack button? I don't know. How yeah. that, I mean, you can't. You can't possibly fest. expect me to poke the guy I want him to punch, right? Because there's yeah, it's an endless punch stream. everyone. Yeah. Punch everyone. Everyone gets punched. So yeah, that's coming, and I mean, I'm cautiously excited for it. I mean, I'll definitely give it a try just to right, just see because again, it's free. Yeah, you know, you, well, you can pay one ninety nine to turn off ads. Okay, so that's how it's being paid for is mm-hmm. uh, ad revenue. But hey, see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna give happens. it a try. If it if it works out, I will be I will happily pay a dollar ninety nine, and get rid of the yes. ads and just enjoy it and and let let them get their money. But I've every time I've I've played pre- previous to this, whenever I've tried to play something that was initially designed for controller, and then on my phone, no matter what they do to try to make it work, it, it's always very cumbersome. Uh, the most recent example is Knights of the Old Republic. No, not not Knights of the. Is that Knights of the Old Republic? That old Bioware one. Yes. Okay, Knights of the Old Republic. I'm trying to remember which one was the MMO and which one was the old RPG game. Okay, I think Knights of the Old Republic was the is the one you're. Yeah. But so I have I have that for uh, for Android, and I've been trying to play that, and it is so clunky that just to even move in this world, like I, I'm poking at the screen, going like run, 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 run. <laughs> Why are you walking so slowly? You know, talk to this person, that person right there. No, go t- go talk to him. And then oh. I then I shut it off. Like I sit there and I just get frustrated because I can't get him to do what I want him to do and. He's running, and I can't figure out how to get him to run and turn in a different direction. So he comes to a dead halt. Then I gotta realign him. Then I gotta set him running again, and it's it's it's, yeah. it's very cumbersome. Right. 
and so that was that was a game that was specifically ported for uh for touchscreen controls and that's that's what that happened so let's right. hey it's they're trying maybe I, I guess <laughs> i guess i don't know oh man i mean we'll see we'll see yeah so as I mentioned before, there was a pretty big event, a little expo that happened in L.A. a few weeks ago. Oh, was uh, E3 this E3. month? I hadn't heard. Oh, <laughs> no idea. I know. It slipped through the cracks. Why didn't anyone mention this? <laughs> yeah, if you follow any type of gaming or geek-related news outlet, uh, I'm sure you had the info explosion for the past couple of weeks of things that came out during E3. Um, I'm not even going to pretend that I am a major news outlet for this, <laughs> so I'm just going like, to pick a few things mm -hmm. that interested uh, myself. Um, if there's any... You got anything that interested you from any of the uh, the pressers? Well, I think the, the, the two big games that I, I really came out of E3 excited about, uh, one was Detroit Become Human. Uh, first okay. of all, it looks interesting, and second of all, I love David Cage games, and I will buy anything that he has his name on. Quantic Dream has my number; they know it. So, okay, you know, I, I was gonna nice. buy it no matter what they showed, but it was I was excited to see it, and it looks very interesting. It's actually it was based on a, um, if I understand it, based on a tech demo that was actually included with uh, Beyond Two Souls, and I, really? I yeah, I, and it was it was like this. It was really almost a short story type thing um okay but it, it was very well received i think it was a tech demo for the engine that they were using to build some some hype for it and then they included it in the game and so when i was watching the extras and i saw this i thought well that was really cool what a nifty little short story that was and apparently this game is based on that so i was very excited because i already i'd already been familiar with some of the core concept oh, nice. behind it uh, so yeah that's going to be one of those uh, super decision heavy based storytelling games right yes yeah david david cage games are very much one of those your decisions matter and they have a downstream impact and i i it it's the same thing that you see with the, some of the other games though like in some ways they do and in some ways they do not now the big thing i remember with david cage games is that there was especially uh heavy rain is one where this this came up a lot where there were only really maybe two characters that had to survive to the end but everybody okay. everybody could make it to the end but if you weren't if you weren't Johnny on the spot a lot of things could happen and there were there was many different variations on the ending including one where i mean nobody nobody wins everybody loses it's the worst possible oh, like you could get very very grim bleak endings you could have happy joyful endings and there were many variations so he probably while he does overpromise a little bit i've heard him compared with peter molyneux in that um, way, he probably is a lot closer to delivering that your choices matter than maybe a Bioware or a Telltale has been able to to achieve. Okay, cool. Yeah, Detroit looks real. Can you give a quick synopsis? Uh, so Detroit Become Human, basically. So the the tech demo was about uh, they were they were putting the so we're in a world where there's there's robots or androids or everyone to describe them who are our servants, basically the us being the people. Um, we're using them as tools. They're robots, so you know you kind of got the iRobot thing going on there. Um, there and, in the tech demo, one of one of the uh, one of the robots gains sentience. Okay. And so again, the iRobot thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So again, the iRobot thing, and and well, so and it basically like begs for her life as you know the when the developer realizes or the uh, the QA guy realizes that she's become sentient, he's going to 
disassembler and, and and scrapper and she you know now now that she's become self-aware does not want to die and it's this very very heartbreaking scene as she begs for her life as she's about to be killed uh and in which case yeah. he he has a change of heart he puts her together again and he sends her on her way um i don't know if she specifically or if there's some variation of that is going to happen but uh what we saw a lot was this main character who is now leading a a revolution uh of uh, these these androids against mankind, and you're playing as an android who's leading the leading the revolution, and you get to decide how how is the revolution going to go? How are we going to do it? Are we going to be more merciful? Are we going to be more ruthless? Is this going to be a civil war? Is this going to be civil disobedience? Um, oh, it's so cool. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's anytime David Cage puts out a game, I'm going to buy it. So I, I feel. I feel like I'm not being honest when I say I'm really looking forward to it and it looks awesome because even if it wasn't good, I would be saying those exact same things because he just, he has my number and I don't know right. how he, how he did it, but he did it. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, think, what, I think it looks really cool. I, I love, okay. I love the decision planking. I love, I love the background and the story that they put this uh, behind and the backdrop is, is really got me excited. Right. And when I mentioned like, oh, it's the iRobot thing again, that is in no way intended to dismiss it. That's just me like creating a scaffold over to like, all right, so that's this is what yeah. the concept is. Wait, wait, because the easiest is... way to to get somebody to get to the mindset of where this movie's coming from is think iRobot, because iRobot um, did did a lot of the similar narrative steps uh, in this. Uh, what I like is being able to play from the the robot's perspective. Because that's yes, typically be interesting. Yeah, that's typically yeah, not, not where we play. Right, it's always come from like the human's perspective. So mm -hmm. going from the uh, the android perspective will be be a nice twist. Yeah, cool. All right, what else are you looking forward so to? The, the other big one I think was uh, probably Spider Man Arkham Knight. Ah, uh, <laughs> I so I just purchased a PlayStation Four. Because, okay. Yes. Uh, yes, you did. I, we're friends on PlayStation Four. Yes, we are. Woohoo! Yeah. Hey, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've kind of lost, kind of losing interest in Xbox. It's just because, like the, all the major games are cross-platform yeah. or are released on all platforms. So, that they are what they are. Like your right. Assassin's Creed and Mass Effect and those other, you know, mm -hmm. Skyrim being released for the eight hundredth time. Um. So they're on all platforms. Right. So what really is separating them is the, the exclusives, mm -hmm. and hands down, PlayStation is just destroying Xbox. That is that Xbox. is true. As somebody who, on a personal level, prefers the the interface, the environment, and the controller for Xbox, I will readily admit that I own a PlayStation right now simply because those exclusives are just just too good, too good. Yeah. Right, so let's talk about Spider-Man. Yeah, so this this slice that they gave us of the game looks amazing. I mean, it's 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 shades of Arkham, and I'm not saying that as dismissive. I'm saying mm -hmm. that sort of as a compliment because the the Arkham games have been around for ten years now, and this is the first time somebody effectively said, "Let's take those elements and apply it effectively to a different superhero." Uh, effectively being the key word because everyone wants mm -hmm. to take those elements and apply it but then they don't do it well and if you don't do it well it's clunky and this is yeah. the this is the first time i've seen it where they were there's obviously an inspiration from arkham if, if the developers say there isn't they're lying because i can see it <laughs> How, however it's done in a way where 
I don't feel like I'm playing an Arkham clone. I feel like I'm playing as Spider-Man with the abilities of Spider-Man. That yeah. is something I definitely got from the trailer. Yeah. Again, I mentioned how I'm not really, um, did not grow up reading comics. Um, so everything that I know about Marvel or superheroes or just comics in general has been through like, cultural osmosis for the most part. But this, this trailer really captures the feel, I think, uh, for what it is like to be Spider-Man. Yes. There, there have been a multitude of Spider-Man games. And most of them have fallen flat. There's a couple of ones that everyone likes to bring up. Uh, the the Spider-Man 2 movie tie-in game actually mm-hmm. stands as a very shining example. Everyone really liked it. It was a, it was a very great... Uh, it, it gave you the whole city, basically, to free roam in. And the web-slinging was, it was a very good engine for web-slinging. And everyone loves it. And everything else has kind of seemed to have fallen short since then. Uh, they've come close a couple of times, but... I really feel like Spider-Man 2 was sort of their pinnacle. And this was the first time I got the feeling like I was back in Spider-Man 2 where I felt like I was in control of Spider-Man and I was web-slinging. Again, I'm saying this as I watched the demo. I understand I didn't have a controller in my hand. But mm-hmm. I I got the the feel just from watching it that I haven't I, I haven't really felt since since Spider-Man 2. I... In, in terms of how I would imagine Spider-Man would fight, understanding that you know, comics are a medium in which there is still panels, and but I've seen plenty <laughs> right. of cartoons and I've seen um, all of the movies except for the Andrew Garfield because I just couldn't quite bring myself to do it. <laughs> uh, I, this feels right. It feels like how Spider-Man should be. I don't know if I'm a hundred percent sold on the costume. Uh, don't get me wrong. Looks awesome as a costume, but Spider-Man's okay. costume is iconic beyond iconic. So yeah. it's very hard to improve upon something that is so intrinsic to the character at this point. But it does look cool. There are alternate costumes in the game, so I imagine I can probably appease myself that way. And that's all I ask. So okay. I am super excited for this game, and I think it hits all the right notions it was a little quick time event heavy but understanding that a lot of games do that at very key uh dramatic uh, Mm -hmm. cinematic points and i don't i mean obviously that's not going to be the whole game so well i kind of think would quick time be appropriate for spider-man given his spidey senses i mean it it would be and i i agree with that i just i've spider-man 3 game tie-in took quick time events and they made them very frustrating and they were very okay. cumbersome so at, from that point on spider-man quick time events have been, been a little icky for me because okay, i just I got keep you. thinking back to i've i've seen them do this and i've seen it go wrong uh but then you know god of war did these quick time events and i thought they were very well done in god of war so we'll see my my one major concern is that just from observation of myself playing games over the years is that i am not good at quick time events on a playstation 4 controller <laughs> i'm i'm pretty well versed in where the buttons are on an xbox controller so if they say hit a i can hit a but when they say hit square i have to take that second to think all right now which one of these Wait, is square okay. and, and and which one yeah. is x yeah, which one is X? <laughs> you know, all these consoles have X on them. You know, the 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 Switch, and the all Xbox, yeah, and the PlayStation, <laughs> they all have X, and they're all in different spots, and and they're not Trust they're not as colored. You know, the, yeah, the uh, the Xbox, the coloring makes it a lot easier to to associate 
So when they say hit A and it's red, I know what they mean. And hit B and it's green, I know what they mean. And but on the Xbox, it's just it's just the shape, you know. I mean, yes, right. there's a color, but it's a black background and yeah, the there's colored color. shape. Mm-hmm. And so I True. don't necessarily have that additional mnemonic in my head, and I think that probably hurts me as well. Okay. Well, I'm right there with you, and I'm sure we'll uh, readjust our brains in due time. Yeah, but I'm going to play this game, so I better get used to it. So, yeah, so it's going <laughs> to force it through. Yeah. Uh, all right, so two um, games that caught my eye. Uh, first one, it was during the Ubisoft uh, presser, and that's called Transference. And I don't think they announced when this is going to be released. It was just kind of like an announcement trailer. Mm-hmm. But it's a VR puzzler, from what I can tell. I've read up on it a little bit. And the the concept is that they've been able to upload, or the, the storyline is, they've been able to upload human memories and consciousness uh, into a digital format, and what you're doing is you're watching um, memories unfold, which is almost the same concept as the Assassin's Creed, the original Assassin's Creed story right. basis. But um, we had, oh my God, Elijah Wood. There it is. <laughs> we had uh, Elijah Wood. You were thinking Frodo, uh, weren't you? You were trying not to see Frodo. I was. That, oh god. That's what happens when I see Elijah Wood in my head. I I no longer associate Elijah Wood, and I have to stop myself from saying Frodo. It's, it's not Frodo. It's not Frodo. It's not Frodo. Someone else. Okay. <laughs> um. So yeah, Elijah Wood's involved in this, mm-hmm. and one of the key things that they mentioned during the uh, the trailer is that there's this guy saying like you're just watching memories. Uh, they they can't hurt you, no matter how like intense they are. They can't hurt you. And you see him like kind of take a breath and kind of avert his vision from the camera and says, "Yeah, you're totally safe." I'm like, "Ooh, what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen?" So it's a it's a VR experience. Um, it's gonna be a puzzle yeah. type game, a puzzle thriller. Um, I've got. So I mean, are you are, do you like VR? Like, have you used it before? Are you a big fan of VR? I've used proper VR once. Okay, and it was amazing because it was the HTC Vive or Vive or uh-huh. however it's pronounced, um, and the latency was amazing. Uh, everything was so crisp. I had the little controllers in my hand, and they represented themselves on the screen like almost perfectly. Uh, and all I did was like the tech demo stuff. Okay. Um, yeah, but even just the tech demo ish type things um came out really good like very well done i won't be purchasing vr for some time it's a it's a really tough sell for me as far as finances are concerned so they're they're all very expensive like 500 dollars is about the average yeah and that's on top of your existing console or pc so it's a big investment i'm more interested to see how it actually develops how this game actually develops and if they start to bring in biofeedback or excuse me, biofeedback mm-hmm. into the gameplay because um there's a lot of stuff that i think it was valve they hired a psychologist some years back to see if they could start working in some biofeedback into gaming and some of the concepts that they were working on was uh 
they would sense like your heart rate and how anxious you were getting. Mm-hmm. And there was this yeah. little yeah. like shoot 'em up shooting gallery type thing. And you had for a second conversation, say a minute to shoot 40 targets. And if you got frustrated and you started to become more anxious because like, say you were missing the targets or for whatever reason, you're getting stressed. The time would tick away faster. So if you're getting frustrated, you know, it, the time starts to take away faster. So you end up having even less time to hit the targets, less than your original actual 60 seconds. They also discussed there's this uh, horror game that they developed where if you became scared or um, nervous or just somehow aroused, um, <laughs> a room... Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Um, not, not in that sense. That <laughs> sorry, sorry. I just reverted to my 16-year-old self. Right. You yeah, said aroused. Yeah, I, <laughs> um, a room would fill up with water faster. Okay. So... I want to see how this all works. So I'm more interested to see how this all works and how they implement the different technologies. I don't know if I'll actually be able to play it myself, but I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah. I've, uh, I'm so not into VR that anytime somebody says it's a VR experience, I immediately shut down on it. I totally get it. Yeah. Um, I actually threw this question out on Twitter. Um, in particular to uh, the Bethesda games that they keep re-releasing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Skyrim, again, yeah. for VR. Mm-hmm. Um, it's already a first-person game. How much does the experience really change? And uh, Dave Tate from the uh, Super Best Friends Video Game Sleepover podcast, uh, he's big into the VR. He's got the, the VR going with his PS4 Pro. He's like... He, the comparison that he made was that it's the difference between looking out of a window and actually being outside. So that's like a surprisingly apt description, I feel, I've... for how it all works. No, I'm going to I'm going to preface what I'm about to say with I have not used any of the modern day technology for for VR, but uh, I was I'm a veteran and in the service, we did a lot of VR training. Um Did you? And, yeah. And and so now, granted, so I about the time I would be in, so we're talking early 2000s, so I was using the pinnacle of early 90s technology. Because uh, <laughs> that's how it works. Um, <laughs> and so it wasn't the best VR, but what I found is that having the VR helmet on made it harder to put myself in the situation because the, the, there's things that I would expect to have if I was actually physically in the situation that aren't available to me because it's not actually I'm not actually there because it's not VR and so some of the big ones if you can imagine is that like if you're physically there if you're actually there and you can look around and you're in the world I would expect if I wanted to know what was going on on my pit boy just to put it in the Fallout world <laughs> I would look at my wrist well that's not actually going to work in this case because I have to hit a button to look at my wrist. So that okay. takes me out of the experience because it's not just look at your wrist to work your pit boy. It's okay, hit a button, and now to adjust your wrist, you're now hitting buttons on a controller. And in Ooh. that case, I'd rather be able to see the controller because that's my actual interface device. And so you you just okay. I feel like it add it 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 would add different layers of thought that I'd have to put into doing moves that already come second nature to me. And I feel okay. like it would it would take me out. And I I don't think I'm alone in that, even taking away my previous experience. I'm probably not alone in that. 
But if you're the kind of person that can get past that, I imagine it's a, an immensely immersive experience. But for me, I just I, I know what VR has been like for me in the past, and it just puts me off from it. Well, then I would say if you can go to like a Best Buy or something or someplace where you can just get like a demo of it, it's it's come a, a long way since then. It's come a good way. The the Vive uh, controllers I was holding in my hand, there's they're two separate controllers. Okay. Uh, one for each hand, and it tracked amazingly well both the position of my hand and the rotation All of right. my hand. So it's it's come a it's come along in the past you know ten fifteen years or so. So I'm just excited to see where it goes. I want I want to see what they do with it. Okay. So there's that, and I mean, there's no point in me talking about Destiny because. As much of a fanboy as I am, which, by the way, I completed my Age of Triumph record book, so I will be getting my t-shirt in the mail eventually. (laughs) (laughs) The other thing that really, like, sparked my interest, and I don't know if I'm even going to... Both of my games that I'm mentioning, I don't even know if I'm even going to bother playing them, but they spark my interest with, like, what they're doing. It's the game called... Where did it go in my notes? Uh, Starlink. And it's like a spaceship game. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's kind of following in the track of the Amiibos and the uh, Skylanders and all that, where you have a physical object. But with Starlink, you're building, like, spaceships, like fighter spaceships. And to the point where you buy the ship, and then you can buy additional, like, blasters and thrusters and cannons to, like, snap onto the ship. So it's, like, a combination of, like... Gundam and Amiibos. It's and it a, just looks... it's an interesting concept. And I, I, as somebody who maybe didn't get into Skylanders, but I am staring at some Disney Infinity figures on my desk right now. Uh, uh, there you go. Yep. <laughs> same thing, same concept. Yep. Yeah, it, it's I, I, I like the concept. I think it's neat. I just wonder when you when you bring the physical realm into it like that, are are you limiting your your player base? Yeah, I wonder that too, and I also wonder how expensive is this going to be? Right, like, is it, am I going to have to spend $200 to get a decent starship? And that's, you know, that's a, as far as you mentioned uh, on the other podcast with Enthusiasts, the, the idea of microtransactions. Right. Uh, at this point, developers have figured out how to handle microtransactions, and that's primarily through aesthetics. Uh, mm-hmm. If you want to pay five bucks to have a really cool-looking hat on your character, you know, game on. As long as you don't need to, you know, pay to win or pay to have some type of competitive, you know, chance. Uh, in this type of format, will you have to pay the extra money for the additional add-ons to have a fighting chance, either in the game or, God forbid, if they have some type of competitive multiplayer as well? are you going to get outspent and therefore lose all the time because you're not going to go out and buy every new Starship add-on as they come out? Right. Now, just from from what I've seen of the game, that's my original thought was, if I don't put in the money to buy the best Starship, I don't, I don't feel like I could compete in this game. And I, so I'm sure there are people who this is for who would love... I mean, the the, the concept is very appealing, is that... I have it's this, incredibly this yeah. Important. I have this starship on my desk, and I'm going to put it on this thing, and then I'm going to play as this starship in my game. 
I get that. I just don't know if, you know, I'm I'm the target audience for that because I see that as well. That looks like a very expensive thing that I I really don't need to play a video game. Right. I mean, if I was gonna, if this game was going to be my hobby and there was enough of an install base where it could be a hobby type thing, um, I think it could be awesome. Yeah. But as a console game where if I don't purchase stuff, I'm just gonna get left behind very quickly. We'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I, I mean, especially after Disney Infinity just went, you know, down. I'm I'm yeah. very hesitant to re-enter the world of physical interaction with the game world. So. Alright, so we will head into the final phase of this podcast. It is the final five, my uh, super gimmicky aspect of this <laughs> podcast. Uh, these are five questions that range from irrelevant to irreverent. The first two are always the same, and I've decided that to make it even more gimmicky, I'm going to have the last three have a theme. All right. So, let's get this started. First question, coffee or tea? Coffee. Coffee, black and bitter. That is my drink fantastic every single day of my life it is a drug i'm addicted but it's socially acceptable so i'm okay with it <laughs> when we go out to a diner or we go out to a restaurant something like that i'll throw a creamer and a little pack of sugar in but for the most part um i need caffeine i need it now i'll, I'll just take my coffee black yeah. thank you i'm i am exclusively a black coffee drinker i get some impressed looks sometimes when i walk in and I just say I want the blackest, bitterest coffee you have, and don't add a thing to it. And I just get I get the nod of approval, like that. That Solid. is a man who has an addiction right there. He has a problem, and he's not doing anything about it. <laughs> All right, so we've established that we're both gamers. Um, do you do any tabletop gaming? Uh, other than a, the very rare case of Monopoly, uh, not really. No, it, it looks fun. I imagine I would enjoy it if I had that kind of time on my hands, but I just, yeah. I, I never really got into it. And so nothing against people who do. Again, it looks fun. I bet I'd enjoy it, but no, none for me. Yeah, there's um, something you might, mm, sure. the kids are still a little young, uh, even for the most basic of things. But yeah. uh, there's some stuff where they'll say it's, you know, age of eight or ten and up, but... With a little guidance, I'm sure younger kids will be able to get it. There's on one, and then we're going to have to hold on a second while I search Google. Uh, what is it called? Dragonwood? Some riveting podcasting right here. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Don't worry, I'll edit this out. Okay, don't, so don't you dragon... dare. Don't you dare. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this one's ages eight and up. Right. Um, but I'm willing to bet that uh, younger than eight will be able to handle. It's a pretty simple game. Uh, definitely worth looking into. Okay. And I mean, uh, there if, are... if, when my kids get into tabletop gaming, and, and if they do, then I, I'm super excited. I will be all in with them. But I it's it's something that I just missed the bus on myself. And so mm -hmm. I'm, I'll, I'll catch it in the next wave with the next generation. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Uh, questions three through five. So, you go by the name of Judge Greg. So, these questions are going to be all in reference to the greatest judge of entertainment, 
Mike Judge. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, question number three. In reference to the movie Idiocracy, what is your preferred sports drinks with electrolytes? <laughs> <laughs> oh, because plants crave them, right? <laughs> they absolutely do. It's what's plants crave. Oh, boy. Um, I think vitamin water, probably. Okay. I, I like vitamin water, and... Uh, it's it's hard to say what flavors because they don't really come in real flavors. So I'll just say the no, flavor really red. Don't. Okay. <laughs> uh, question four, and this is into reference of the movie Office Space. Okay, beautiful. When was the last time you wanted to destroy a piece of office equipment with a baseball bat in the middle of a field? Um. <laughs> it's it's almost daily, honestly. <laughs> it's uh. So, so today, for example, I, uh, I set up my computer to start recording with you so that, you know, we could start recording on time. And we still did start recording on time. However, when yeah, I came downstairs and I said, all right, so let's open up that link to get this recording. And then my computer said, there's a problem and we need to restart now. And I thought to myself, oh, if I wreck the computer, I won't be able to do the podcast. However, <laughs> it's earned a wrecking. So how do I, how do I resolve this? But, uh. But yeah, I used to I in in my in my younger days when I, you know, didn't know that this was sociopathic behavior I shouldn't engage in, I used to have a hammer. Uh and I I actually took a Sharpie and I wrote the word justice on it and called it the hammer of justice. And uh I I dubbed it that after one day when my printer uh had a a paper jam at a time when I really didn't need it to have a paper jam. Oh jeez. And I couldn't get the paper out. And so, in in a in a fit of rage and immature, uh, impulsive behavior, I demolished it with a hammer, <laughs> and, and and then that became the hammer of justice. Whereas if if you didn't act accordingly to how I expected you to be, I would then hit you with a hammer because that's that's how I do things. And uh, I actually broke a window in college by tossing that thing across the room one time when I was angry. Again, not the most mature response. And I don't do that anymore. I still have the hammer, by the way, but I just, you know, use it for nails and stuff. Okay. <laughs> so it was a good all hammer. Right. I wasn't going to get rid of it. <laughs> um, the word justice has all but worn off on it now. You can't see it. Uh, oh. Maybe a couple of little specks here and there from where I just have it gripped it. But yeah, you, it no longer says justice. It's just a regular hammer. But yeah, no, the, the itch is still there. Every time, every time a piece of equipment fails me, I want to take a hammer to it. You know, especially the the number one fault these days is not so much like a PC load letter error, but um, it's you know I, you're connected to Wi-Fi, but there's no internet. I'm like, oh, oh my if god, you're connected to Wi-Fi. You act like how, you're connected to Wi-Fi. How can you be connected to Wi-Fi and not have? They have to go. Th nah, I'm gonna. I'm going to a bad place right now. Yeah. I'm going see, to. A bad you see place. what I'm talking about? You see? You see? It's it's infuriating. Connected to Wi-Fi, then act like it. <laughs> All right. Fifth and final question, sure. and this is into reference. Of course, I have to go here. Beavis and Butthead. Beavis and Butthead. Will you give me your best character laugh? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> that was fun. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We need to wrap this thing up right now. 
Alright, and that is all the time we have for this episode. Time for end of show plugs. You can follow me, Anthony Rossi, on Twitter, Instagram, Xbox One, Twitch, and now on PS4 at Hypersyntax. That's H-Y-P-3-R-S-I-N-T-4-X. Or you can follow the podcast directly, either on Twitter at VGXTPod, or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash VideoGameCrossTalk. This podcast is hosted directly on Podbean and can be found at videogamecrosstalk.podbean.com. And I also just have the website up, videogamecrosstalk.com itself, where you can find this episode and blogs as I find time to actually write them. As for my guest, Judge Greg, where can our beautiful listeners follow you around? Thank you very much. Uh, you can follow me personally at Judge Greg Is Law on Twitter. And if you're looking for my content, you can uh, follow the Enthusiacs. We're at Enthusiacs on Twitter, and we're also on Facebook and YouTube. Just search for Enthusiacs. Awesome. And finally, if you are a gamer or know a gamer that wants to talk some tech and science news, let me know. Do you know some tech news that you'd like to hear discussed? Do you have any other general questions you'd like to hear answered on the show? Send an email to videogamecrosstalk at gmail.com and give me the deets on what's going down. Please don't forget to like, review, subscribe, and share this podcast all over your social media accounts, and we can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and most other podcast services. Thank you one last time for hanging out with us. Judge Greg, thank you one last time for joining me. Thanks for having me. And in the words of Neil deGrasse Tyson, I know of no time in human history where ignorance was better than knowledge. <laughs> <laughs>